Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, Steve Hall. My name is Steve Hall, and this episode's guest is someone very well known to the Ford racing world as he and his family are synonymous with racing power. I could tell you all about the honors and awards he has received. I could tell you that he's kept the family legend alive, and the hobby certainly benefits. He also happens to be a guest speaker at our keynote events that we've had here at the museum, including the Ford versus Ferrari, and at our Hall of Fame dinner recently, part of our National Mustang Day event. I should also mention... One additional comment, Lee Holman has always said yes when we've asked him to be part of one of our event activities, even in opening up his shop for a cruise on a Saturday afternoon. Lee, welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. Thank you for having me. Well, I must say, I'm sorry I've been a little long-winded, but I want to make sure all of our listeners understand how much we appreciate you and your efforts because you've been a great friend to the museum. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's kind of fun to be associated with it. Um, it's nice to see the Mustang getting the historical um, notice that it deserves. It's a fabulous little car. It's just wonderful. And it's so nice that people keep the old ones and buy the new ones. And, and they're all unique and special in their own way. Well, obviously, Lee, uh, Lee you, you and your family have been very well known as part of the Ford Power Plant, as I, as I call it. But, uh, and I know you've, there's probably not much that Ford has ever raced that you have not had your fingerprints on. But I'm hoping you can kind of share some of the stories, focus a little bit more on Mustangs. Uh, you've shared a couple of stories with us that are incredibly interesting because they go behind the scenes, as it were, a little bit. I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about the 1964 Indy Pace car and how Holman Moody was very instrumental in making that happen to be on the track. That was during a period that I actually was in college, and so I wasn't here to see it. At the time, Holman and Moody had probably 450 employees, and if Ford wanted us to take six Mustangs and turn them into something a little bit special, it would take the guys a week to get it designed make the parts because we had our own machine shop and, and welding and fabrication. So I didn't actually see those cars being built, but we did do them. It was similar to what we had done before for the Tour de France rally cars. We gave them a little bit better suspension, a little bit more horsepower because the cars at Indy did have to go around the, the very flat corners at a high rate of speed and do it safely. And I don't exactly know how many we did because the projects that we did for Ford, they would say, modify six cars for this purpose. Uh, Very rarely did we have serial numbers or any other description other than, you know what to do, do it. Generally, Holman and Moody did know what to do. And when we finished, the cars were successful and, and did what was required of them. I do know that two of them at least were modified more heavily than than the others because those were the cars that were actually going to be on the track. And it was not uncommon back in the day to, to do whatever it took to make them safe and to make them perform as required for the for the project. And we didn't really care too much about authenticity or 
if it was a C4 part number or a C6. In some cases, uh, a lot of the part numbers were H&M involved, which meant it was unique to Holman and Moody. I do know that there was a problem in that the driver of one of the pace cars lost control and crashed. That's unfortunate, but um, they had for a, a long time in India a history of having TV movie stars drive these cars or just a famous singer or somebody. And quite often those guys were not up to the, to the task of running around a track at 120 miles an hour. That's part of the story and part of the history that's kind of, like I said, behind the curtain because people don't realize that when it comes to an Indy Pace car, it's just not a matter of taking a stock car back in those days and putting it on the track because it had to maintain a certain speed to be accepted by the Indy uh, race itself. I know uh, I'm going to jump forward a little bit, and it may, and we may need to go back, but obviously you were then approached back in 2014 or 2013 about, well, about doing a Mustang, and you did create the Tour de France Mustang. And so I'm hoping you can tell us a little bit about that and how all that came about. That was fun because um, Mr. Edsel Ford was in our shop doing a photo shoot for a TV recording about Carol Shelby. When it was over, he said, can you talk with me for a while? Can we sit down and just go over some things? Because we've never taken advantage of Holman and Moody's history with Ford Motor Company, and we want to do that. He said, if I stir up a Mustang project, do you have something in mind that we could do that would be special? And I said, yes, sir. We, you know, we built those Tour de France winning Mustangs in 1964. And, and my meeting with Mr. Ford took place in 2013. So we could do a 50th anniversary 2014 Tour de France Memorial build. And I had some very talented engineers, but they were in Connecticut, not in Charlotte. In Charlotte, we didn't know about modern cars. We didn't let modern cars in the building. And so Bob D'Amato, uh, Mark Besso, Jay Rabe in Connecticut, in a little company we formed, H&M Performance, set up to make the best handling Mustang, the best handling performance Mustang, and they hit a home run. In 90 days, they produced a car that outhandled the Laguna Seca by a bunch. Um, we used Holman and Moody three-piece adjustable sway bars, Ford's lowering kit, Ford's adjustable struts and shocks. We used um, or had designed our own custom wheels that are slightly wider and slightly offset more to the outside. They're still in the fender, but, but they are offset a little bit more. And we got Continental all-grip road tires. And the combined car looked very different from a Shelby or a Roush. But on the racetrack, we could pull 1.18 Gs on road tires, where a Laguna Seca or a Shelby or a Roush is lucky to do 0.9 Gs. So what we say is we cannot run any of their cars if there's a corner. Uh, their 700 horsepower trumps our 440 horsepower with the Ford computer upgrade. But if you got a corner, we can outrun them. And it's been really fun because, for one thing, the Ford 2014 Mustang was a fairly trouble-free production car. And so we were starting with a Cherry, and we just sort of put some whipped cream on it and made it into a really nice car. 
And my fear was, not knowing anything about the modern Mustang, was I, I didn't know the quality of what Ford was building. And we were thoroughly impressed with the way it worked. And then later, it was funny because Edsel did what he said he was going to do. He set it up so that we could do a special Mustang and got me introduced to the to the people at Ford that, that could really help Jim Owens and uh, Mr. Farley, who's now chairman or now president of Ford Motor Company, um, got us connected with those people. We ended up turning out about 25 of them, which was all that our budget would allow. But they are the rarest, but the best handling of all the Mustangs. In a, in a subsequent meeting, Ford engineer asked us to please not get involved in the Trans Am Racing Series Mustangs. And I couldn't understand why he would say something like that, because I knew they were having problems getting them finished and, and getting the cars done, because Ford always has committees that have to decide stuff. And he said, that's exactly the, the point I'm making. You people made a better car than we made in 14, and you did it in 90 days. And every business meeting we've been in since, when we're telling the management of Ford that we can't um, get this done, we can't get that done on schedule, they say, why can Holman and Moody with five guys and no budget make a car in 90 days that, that is cheaper, out handles, and, and runs better than, than what you've worked on for two years? And so it's it's kind of a a unique position to, to have my small company and Ford Motor Companies afraid to compete with us. Well, you also have a lot more, I shouldn't say a lot more experience, but you guys are really our car guys from, you know, from the, from the street side, so to speak, if I may. Uh, and I mean that in, in, in a positive way that you guys know all the ins and outs. And so I'm, I'm not really quite surprised to hear that. But uh, you mentioned about SL Ford a few times, and I think you've told me a story about how you met as teenagers in France. Do you want, can you share that a little bit with our listeners? Well, and, um, as part of the Holman and Moody team, Holman and Moody was brought into the GT40 project in the fall of 65 to help out because, as Leo Beebe said, uh, we had Shelby American, but that was a race team. Holman and Moody was a factory, and we needed to, to get stuff made to get those cars to win. So they brought Holman and Moody in, and we were part of the team of Ford cars that went to Le Mans. Mr. Henry Ford II was there along with his son Edsel, and... I'd never met Edsel Ford before. I'd met Mr. Henry Ford before. And at one point, Henry came up and said, Lee, you've been to these before, haven't you? I said, yes, sir. And he said, well, my, my son Edsel has never been to anything like this. Can you just sort of keep an eye out for him and make sure he doesn't do anything, anything silly? At the time, I was 21, and Edsel was 18. And it, it's been funny because Mr. Ford is a, Edsel Ford is a very personable, very friendly gentleman. And I've run into him 10 years later here and 15 years later there. He always recognizes you. He always speaks. He always is friendly. It, it's kind of nice having somebody in that position that is that personable. And it, it's been a, a nice relationship. But yeah, it was, it was funny to have Mr. Henry Ford say, can you look after my son a bit because you've been to this before. But it was... The, the Lamont experience was a direct result of uh, what we did with the Rally Falcons, what we did with the racing sports car Thunderbirds. Uh, Holman and Moody was involved in sports car racing long before we got involved with the GT40s. 
but we got more press from the NASCAR racing and the drag racing. And we certainly did Mustang drag cars. We did Falcon drag cars. Um, and the Tour de France Mustangs were funny because we had been running the Falcon Sprints, which was one of our inventions. We did the first V8 Falcons for Ford. But we've been running the Falcons in some of the rallies over in Europe. And while we didn't really win many of the events outright, we put on a hell of a show with the performance and the handling of a modified Falcon to the extent that when uh, in 64, we finished second behind BMC, but uh, the British Motor Company with their little Mini Cooper. But Ford with the Mustang or a Falcon had gotten so much press that the British car company took out ads saying they didn't win it, we did. We're, we're the ones that really won the rally. But what we did for the Tour de France was we took the Monte Carlo Falcon running gear, engines, the suspension modifications that we had done, and some of the drivers, which was a, another bit of the talent that makes the cars go well. If you get a, a driver that's phenomenal on rallies, he can make a, a, a sour dog win. But uh, we had very good drivers, and the pre-production Mustangs finished first, second, and third in every special stage, and first, second, and third in their class in the overall win. So it was the first major win. That was the summer of 64. It was the first major international race win for, for any Mustang anywhere. And Carroll Shelby was on that same event with his Cobras, but the Cobra Coupes had not performed well and were beaten soundly by the Ferraris on that event. But Carroll realized that the uh, Home and Moody Mustangs were pretty, pretty good. And so he asked the uh, performance manager at Ford, Jack Bassino, if he could have one of our Mustangs. And they flew the winning Tour de France Mustang from Paris direct to California. And that was the, the basis that Shelby started with to make the GT350s. But he never found time to give Holman and Moody or our partners, Alan Mann Racing in England, any credit for our groundwork and the foundation we gave him to, to allow the GT350 come out of the, the barrel winning races. If you look at the history of the GT350, they came out of the box winning. And that was because of the work Holman and Moody and Alan Mann had done. Well, that's an interesting connection to know, but again, unfortunately, those things happen in in the racing world. Of course, it's a shame that Holman Moody did not get the credit because Holman Moody was instrumental in NASCAR, the GT racing, anything with Ford, and with a little bit more of a need for power and handling. Uh, Holman Moody was always the go-to company to get it done because their engineering, as it were, was, I think, it was it was the experience that your guys brought to the table. Of course, there's, there is the, the, the schooling and the technical side, but uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes you, you learn things from just trial and error and experience, and, and you, your teams were always, I just want to put it this way, if you wanted to get it done, and as you say, get it done quickly, efficiently, and probably under budget, yeah, Holman Moody was always a group that went to because you know a lot of race teams don't have a lot of money, 
And when they needed something like this to uh, kind of, you know, make them a little bit better at track, Holman Moody was always the group to go to to talk with. So uh, I think they've always been kind of considered the grassroots of motorsport racing when it comes to Ford. And I think that's why the hobby appreciated uh, Holman Moody so much. And, and the fact that you've kept it alive and going is is a testament to you and to the legacy of your of, uh, of your father, uh, obviously. But uh, tell us now a little bit what, what Holman Moody is doing these days. Well, we're, we're still building the GT40 Mark IIs. Um, we still occasionally do a modern Mustang. We modify and have a handling package for the, for the newer Mustangs. And we also, right now, we're restoring two old Mustangs that are both 64, 65 models. Uh, one of them we're building as a replica of the uh, Tour de France Mustangs. And um, it should be a, a fun project when it's done. They were all poppy red. And so we've got a, a Mustang, an early Mustang coupe that's poppy red, and it's for a customer out of Pennsylvania. We've got a, a Hypo 289 Fastback Mustang that was heavily wrecked both in the rear and the front. The customer insists that he wants that car repaired. He didn't want it rebodied. So we're, we're busy with projects. We're doing stuff. We sell Coleman and Moody memorabilia, T-shirts, uh, decals, the things that the fans like to get for Holman and Moody. And we've got a website, HolmanMoody.com, and we ship all over the world. Uh, I had an inquiry this morning about small block valve covers for from a customer in Perth, Australia. Um, so we do export a lot of parts and pieces, um, and we keep coming up with new products, but our um, the, my personal fun was having been to Le Mans and been part of the 66 Ford win. I enjoyed the GT40 Mark IIs, and my father had sold all of his and sort of gave them away at 10000 apiece. And by the time he passed away and I took over the business, there were none left in our inventory. And I had the same people and the same in, uh, technical drawings and blueprints. I thought, well, heck, I can just build my own. And I found Ford's tooling was still available to stamp the chassis. So I got 15 new original chassis, and we're still working on them today. It's It's been a personal sort of source of pride for me that I could build my own Mark II. Uh, it's not, not one piece of it was here when I took over the business, and I generated all the parts and pieces and I was able to drive it at Elkhart Lake and Watkins Glen and Daytona Beach, Florida, and have it competitive and, and a real Mark II, not just some sort of replica. What we're doing are new original cars. At least that's what the FIA says they are. Um, so our cars are, are considered new old originals and um, they're eligible for FIA racing. It's kind of fun to carry on the tradition, but it's also fun to build some things that have Lee Holman's name on them and stamp on them, as opposed to the historical stuff. We're open to the public. We've got a little showroom, and we've got an old NASCAR 63 Fireball car and, and the Falcons and one of our TDF Mustangs. And we get a lot of visitors in, just like your Mustang group that came through. So yeah, we're we're here, and we're, we're doing well, and we appreciate all the good wishes from the fans that remember what Holman and Moody did, and we're still doing it. Well, no, um, absolutely. I mean, we when we've been there a couple of times, actually, um, with the crews, 
Um, everybody comments that they have the best time uh, because, of course, you're gracious with your time and storytelling as things that with the GTs, with Mustangs, and just home and racing itself. They just love you and because you're so personable, uh, easy to approach, easy to talk to, and they just they you know they're getting a chance to talk to somebody that was there and and they can you know they 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 appreciate what you've done by all means. But I want to I make a real quick comment. This is such a small Mustang world. I have a feeling that the car you mentioned that you're restoring that's from Pennsylvania. Is that Marcy's car? Yes, it is. <laughs> I had a feeling it was because I know I know Marcy and she had indicated some time back she had um, had a car being restored, a Tour de France style kind of a car. So I kind of put two and two together. She didn't tell me who it was, uh, but this was this was a few years uh, some time back as such. But I do want to tell folks that um, if you have time, and I, I know you you guys are busy at the shop, but uh, the guests that, uh, oh, I should say our listeners, if you have a chance uh, to go by Lee's place, I, I got to be honest with you, personally, I feel he's the closest thing to a museum without being called a museum itself. It, it should be because uh, there's just so much history there. And, and Lee, Lee is a walking encyclopedia when it comes to that. Uh, and he, he, like you said, he's, he, he'll sit down and share a story with folks and you'll, uh, people get, enjoy that because they start to connect some of the dots, some of the things that we've know about from the past. Lee kind of gives you another perspective or another connection to it. So, uh, is, is he's, you're an incredible asset to the hobby overall, but I know the Mustang side just enjoys you so much. And it's always it's a privilege for us that you you share your time with us. And so I, with that, I, I guess I kind of want to wrap up and say thank you so much. Um, I'm sure we'll be seeing you again in the future because, you know, you're only a half hour away from the museum. It's our museum. But uh, the time spent with you has always been just fantastic. And, I, I, again, I kind of kind of lose words here to say thank you so much because it's it's guys like yourself that keep the hobby alive and going and you know i we always hear about uh i should say john clure always talks about how you know the other car companies don't have assets that the ford motor company has or the ford uh, mustang world has or hobby and you are certainly one of those assets that make the hobby what it is today because you're open you're you're acceptable you're accepting the you know to people coming to see you and you share your time so thank you so much oh my pleasure and and glad to help whenever we can i think we're going to have um mark ray out at the fox body mustang show this weekend um so we will have a little representation out there but we look forward to having people come in and see what we do and maybe they'll save up and buy a gt40 mark ii well, maybe if you showed up at the Foxtoberfest in a GT40, you might get a lot of publication out of that because I know they got I know they got a lot of social media coming to this event because Fox bodies do seem to attract the social media side of uh, of marketing. And uh, so if you did that, uh, you would you would upstage the Fox bodies a little bit, and that might not you know uh, you know that'd be great for I would love to see it, but uh, you know it, that would be fun. That would be a lot of fun to see. So uh, think about that. <laughs> okay, uh, well, we, I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to to share your podcast with you and. If I can help any further, please give me a call. Oh, I'm sure we'll be talking again because I know you have more stories that may not involve Mustangs, but from the 
GT side or from the NASCAR side. Uh, but again, so thank you so much. We, uh, you're, you're a treasure to the hobby, and thank you. Thank you. Good day. Bye-bye.